0: Love Talk Radio Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy Way of the Most High Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence and I am the light within your soul. In the essence of truth and right, love makes the circle whole. And here we stand in line, waiting for some sacred sign. But to find the balance is the perfect of this time. To restore the balance of the universal mind. And in the presence of my Lord of Light and Love, everything I see is aspiring to be free. And when I call to Thee, and come on bended knee. Surrender to the all-pervading light and love Reflections of the one surrounding me with love And I I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence Within and without, above and below, yeah East, West, North and South, I sense your presence Without and within, below and above, yeah yeah, East, West, North and South, I sense your presence I sense your presence Lord of light and love Everything I find in tune with the
1: divine
0: And here we stand in line Waiting for some sacred sign But to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I am the light Within your soul In the essence of truth and right Love makes a circle whole. And when I call to thee Come on, bending knees, me Surrender to the all-pervading light light Of the ones surrounding me with love For to find the balance is the purpose of this time To restore the balance of the universal mind I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom. Holy way of the Most high. Om Shabbat Shalom. I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom. Holy way of the Most high. Om Shabbat Shalom. I sense your presence. Om Shabbat Shalom Holy way of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence Om Shabbat Shalom Holy angel of the most high Om Shabbat Shalom I sense your presence I sense your presence
2: Thank you for joining me here on Activating Compassion Radio. My name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George, and I'm your hostess today. The music you were listening to at the beginning of the show is i Sense Your Presence. It's by Shemshai, And I want to extend a welcome to everybody that's listening to us today, whether you're returning because you've listened to the show before and you really love what we do here, or whether you're just joining us for the very first time because you saw something and you said, hey, that looks like it's going to be interesting today. We're glad that you checked us out. And I do uh, want to mention that we are streaming live in three additional places. Uh, that would be Talk Stream Live, Stream Finder, and Penn, also known as Her Encounters Network. And I welcome everybody listening through those channels as well, in addition to those people who are catching our shows as an archive through iTunes, tunein.com, or through my YouTube channel. It's great to have you here, no matter where you're listening from. Here at Activating Compassion Radio, I look at the different ways that compassion exists in our lives, how do we move our blocks, resistances, frustrations, and more. Some weeks I'm discussing different aspects of how compassion is in our life, how it affects our life, the different areas of compassion. And, uh, you know, like next week, we're going to be looking at some of these things, these different areas and and exercises, and and, uh, I don't know how many exercises, but definitely some interesting topics as we we delve into self-compassion next week or aspects of that. And then many times I also have guests on the show, like today, I've got an incredible guest on the show that I think you're going to find very interesting, Debbie Clark. And that way you get to learn about other people's work and how other things complement and work with compassion. I also highlight different musical artists along the way. In the past, I've had Stephen Halpern, Peter Cater, Jill Matson, Claire Hadeen, Bruce Ciccarelli, Craig Corliss, Harold Grant, Seth Moses, um, with there a whole stream of people on. This year, I'm coordinating my musical artists with the Turnings and the Tides of the Season. So we've had Woven Green on. I've had Angelia Grace, just incredible um, voice there. And then, of course, at the Summer Solstice, we had... um, uh, Dragon's Head, <laughs> almost drew a blink on that one, didn't I? Coming out here uh, shortly early in August, I'm going to be having Cheshika Maru, who will be calling in from India, and then I've got uh, some other really cool people, CJ, who's going to be calling in um, from the Four Cities, uh, Quad Cities, Iowa area, kind of Iowa, Illinois, range in there, which I, I ran into in person and found him playing at a at a little outdoor venue and um, said, hey, (laughs) come on my show with me, and he's going to be coming on this fall and September at the Autumn Equinox. So I think you're going to find his uh, work really, really interesting as well because he's also got a whole background in shamanism and other things. So it's a lot of fun. And we've got a lot of different variety on musical guests this year. In my own work, what I do is I focus on helping people find and use compassion in their everyday lives. I've created the Genesis Clearing Statement and if you've missed it, you can catch that in our archives. Uh, if you go under my media tab, uh you'll find a page for radio on there and that's got all the different interviews that other people have done of me. Matter of fact, just this past Wednesday, two days ago, um, there was an interview, Meredith and Burl Hall interviewed me on their show Envision This and um and some of the earlier interviews I've done have that Genesis Clearing Statement being run on the show. So you can check that out there. Um, uh, like I said, I've authored four books, the most recent being You, Me, Live Dreams and its Companion Workbook. My first two books, of course, were Activating Compassion. It's companion workbook. I'm also co-author on a quick book called Embracing the Divine. So you'll have to listen for updates on that. And then I've created the Compassion Tour, multi-state nationwide tour, including workshops, retreats, seminars, book claimings, and fundraising events. And you can follow up with those events. Actually, I'm going to have a lot of events going on right in my hometown of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And uh, you can watch for that. I've got something coming up the first weekend in August. And then the Autumn Equinox will be here as well. And we'll have an event going on right around Halloween weekend here. But I'm also going to be heading to the East Coast, back around Massachusetts. I'll be back at Aquarius Sanctuary this year. Um, I'm hoping to jot on down to the Washington, D.C. area um, while I'm on that trip mid-October and hopefully maybe even squeeze in around Pennsylvania um, this fall. So we'll see what happens. Don't know if I'm going to make it back to Illinois this fall. If not, I will definitely be back there this year or next year, <laughs> as the case may be. And you can, again, follow up with all of my events and things that are going on through my website, dot com. Just go right on over to Workshops or Compassion Tour tabs, and you'll find those on there. Just a reminder, if you enjoyed the show today, make certain sure you share it with other people because this is going to be a really interesting show, and I think it's going to be one of those shows that you want to share. Uh, I know that when I share shows, oftentimes, People come back to me and they go, Oh my gosh, this is so incredibly interesting, and this is just what I needed to hear. And I've literally had people tell me they, I literally saved their life by sharing, you know, a show um, because they were just right on the edge of, of something that they weren't handling well, and it allowed them to make that breakthrough instead of break down totally. So, you know, and now like you're going to change in the in the process of just flipping share. I do also have all the uh, archive shows on my website, by the way, which are on my page of the Main Street Universe tab on my website, and then people can also find them as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn.com, and through my YouTube channel. Now, before I get started today, those that have listened in before, you know I love to delve into Yehuda Berg's book, The Seventy Names of God. And Yehuda, of course, is a wonderful Kabbalah master with a great understanding of the the various aspects of the divine in our life. And he takes these big concepts and he puts them into everyday lingo, which is what I like to do with my work as well. So I I relate very well to his work. And this message goes, again, on my page of the Main Street Universe tab. So you can go back and reflect on it during the week, which is one of the things I like to do is kind of take that concept, work with it for a week, and see where it takes me. And even if it's something you've worked with before – Oftentimes, I find it takes me to a new depth or a new layer of it throughout the week. So here we go. The common name of God that we have this week from Yehuda is spiritual cleansing. And of course, as always, I think this is going to fit very well into today's topic and and what our guests will be talking about. And the initial message is we all come into this world with spiritual feedback that need correcting. These imperfections have accrued over previous lifetimes, and we cannot rid ourselves of their negative influences until they are mended. And the insight that he provides on this is, sometimes we lack the emotional courage and spiritual strength to correct all of our flaws. What's more, our egos use many devious tactics against our own best interests. One of the most potent of these tactics is cynicism. The sense that anything but chaos should not even be thought about by an intelligent human being. This is a convenient escape from doing the hard work of spiritual transformation. It allows us to see ourselves as eternally blameless victims rather than as responsible beings who are thoroughly accountable for the state of our own lives. There are two ways to cleanse cleanse in life. That's pain or proactive spiritual transformation. Now, the pain of the path of pain hurts the body. It hurts our health, our finances, our personal lives. And when we experience sickness or poor health, if we lose a business or go broke, if a marriage breaks up, or if there is a heartache from children, this is all considered spiritual cleansing. Now the path of proactive spiritual transformation only hurts the ego. This name focuses upon the ego, thus allowing us to purify and prepare past iniquities in a merciful manner. The meditation that Yehuda gives for this name of God is by meditating on these letters, you push, rewind and erase and you're on your spiritual video. You are purified in your present life by correcting your transgressions from your lives in the past. This name also cleanses our physical environment from spiritual impurity. So, again, the common name is, is spiritual cleansing. The formal name of this name of God is Mem Bav Mem. Okay, that's Mem Bav Mem, spiritual cleansing. Again, you can follow up and reread it if you like throughout the week. It's up on my page of the Main Street Universe tab of my website, NicholsShortNumber1 at number1.com. Now, a little thought here before we go on break and get our guest on the show here. This is just going to kind of give you maybe a little foundation to work from while we, uh, you know, get ready to jump into our topic today. Have you ever had a time in your life where you You battled with what felt like evil. Have you ever felt like there was no escaping dark and heavy energy? And have you ever had a time where you weren't certain you would ever connect with the light again? Now, those that know me know that I am really not one to focus on what is evil. (laughs) You know, as I see so much of life as lessons, part of universal laws and You know, so on. However, I would also say that most people have been on their spiritual path or even just in life would say that they've had a bout or two with what felt like sheer evil in their lives. And this may have been related to dealing with people in power or money and living in abusive situations or really any number of things. And I know in my journey that I have come to face, I've come face to face with some pretty dark aspects. And, you know, whether those came through everyday life or as metaphors or what seemed totally real, in spiritual context, we are aware of the demons within that we need to overcome and believe. But what about the demons outside of us? What about those that seek out devastation, seem to harass people, are relentless or ruthless and horrendous acts on this earth? Debbie Clark is one person that's been through facing what some of us would call real demons in life. She, through her work, parlay with Evil, found a way through fiction to share aspects that she has also dealt with in real life based on her perceptions, challenges, and successes in working past things. She understands firsthand the ruthlessness that can exist in some people on this earth. When I first read her book, I could see her integrating one spiritual lesson after another. And the characters were all depicted as we often see the way things would be in our life. Some of the parallels that I thought really played into things, many encounter while developing on their path are hiding, creating schemes to outwit evil plots against us, running away, having those we love taken from us, feeling vulnerable and unable to protect or take care of ourselves, being guided by angels and guides and divine presence, and searching for community and love, rebuilding after trials and tribulations. I could probably trust many more as well here, but I remember one aspect that even talked about a part of a journey that must be made alone, and many I have known have struggled with this part of their path. It is the loneliness or sense of loneliness or being comfortable being alone and observing that can be so challenging for so many. This is when we need to look to our soul family and those that have also journeyed and provide unconditional loving support. What have you done during times of feeling weighed down by what felt like evil influences? What are your thoughts about some being aligned with dark energy, and acting mischievous? And how have you dealt with times of feeling under attack and pursuit? What demons have you faced and overcome in your life? This week, we're focusing on a component of compassion related to the aspects in my book of loving self. And this reminds us that while it is important to be compassionate with others, it is also important that we meet our own needs and requirements in life, even if others don't agree with it. I'm going to take a short break, and when we return, I will have Debbie Clark with me, and we're going to be discussing or looking at her work, shall we say, in Parley with Evil. The song I have for you during our break is Nothing Stays the Same by Claire Hedin, and if you'd like to find out more about Claire's work, you can certainly do so. You can check out her work on her website, www com. that's C-L-A excuse me C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N dot com and uh, we greatly appreciate Claire for letting us use her music on the show we'll be back in just a few minutes Welcome back. You are listening to, uh, to Activating Compassion Radio. And my name is Jessie Ann Nichols-George and we'll host this today. We were just listening to a song by Claire Hadeen uh, called Nothing Stays the Same. We greatly appreciate Claire allowing us to use her music on the show and you can definitely check out more of her work and her music through her website at com. That's C-L-A-R-E-H-E-D-I-N dot com. But today I have with me Debbie Clark, and she is the author of Parley with Evil. And Parley with Evil was released by Two Harbors Press in 2010. Efforts to unlock the evil mystery behind the reasons why bad things happen to good people has been exposed within the pages of her novel as a work of fiction. And it is her destiny to deliver a message to society. The message is concealed within the content of the the storyline, and her paperback, Parley with Evil, is a suspense thriller written to captivate adult readers of all ages. We will be looking today at the parallels and spiritual lessons that are within the pages of the book and Debbie's own life experiences which compelled her to write the book. You can learn more about her work at her website, which is www dot dot com, so that's d c l a r k s p a r l e y dot com. And I've got Debbie here on the air. Debbie, welcome to Activating Compassion Radio. Thank you, Jesse. Hello. Hello. It's Hello. very nice it's- to be here. It's great and some of you if you if you saw the newsletter, you know that we were supposed to have Erica Tucci on today and I just wanna make notation of that really quick. Um I had to make a shift in the time here and Erica was not able to make the new time today, but we we're working on rescheduling her. So I was thrilled that I could get Debbie on such short notice because she's been so busy with so many things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, and and you're coming a little bit broken on me, Debbie. But um, I think we we can get you in here. I would love for you to start off by sharing with us, um, you know, what led you to write this book. Because you know, I don't, i I don't think I've ever had an author on who was a fiction writer, and. Um, so this is a little different approach <laughs> to us, but I see more authors kind of delving in the way you delved into this. So share with us about what led up to writing this book.
3: Well, first of all, it's important to, that everyone know that Parley with Evil is not my life story. It is a story I created to make it through my life. I had a very difficult childhood and young adult um, time period when I was learning about my peers and learning about the world and the observations of the way people treat each other, um, by the time I was 35, I w- had just about had enough of of the mistreatment of others um, toward others and i had been through um so many trying situations and circumstances i was bullied as a child i didn't have a good childhood i married the wrong person because i got i you know i i knew better than to do it my gut instinct was to not to do it but after having been through so much stress and so much anxiety over being so disappointed about being in this world the way that it was even back in the 90s is when I started Parlay with Evil, was in 1995. Um, In the 60s and 70s and 80s, um, I was just so disappointed with how unkind everyone was to me, and I was a very quiet child. I wasn't um you know i i wasn't boisterous i was you know i i pretty much kept to myself and i observed and i was affected because i because i'm so sensitive i'm very sensitized Parlay was evil depicts the life of a child that is raised in an environment that is considered to be normal in his family bloodline um, domineering, um, superior um, uh, adults would place stress on to, onto their children to impose their will and the way that they believed that things should be, that's the way their children were going to be and that's just all there was to it. And if you were marching to a beat of a different drum, you were just out of luck. you were were just, you know, so insignificant. Um, Parley with Evil is about domestic violence, inherent um, belief systems and child rearing tactics that carry on into the future generations and affect the environments of everyone around them and nothing ever gets better so when i when i by the time i was 35 years old i had been through so much i didn't even want to i i just didn't even want to be on the planet anymore i didn't think that there was anything really very very little left to hang out here for um that might sound strange to some of the listeners but you just when you're when you're sensitive and and you're you're you have empathy for others and you're a kind-hearted person or what some would call tender-hearted um this place can you know be a pretty uncomfortable place for um a compassionate caring kind soul to be in especially during my childhood I, you know, but one thing about it, I never felt completely alone. I, I always felt um, the, the divine presence with me. I, you know, I always knew that Jesus was with me, and that's how I made it through my childhood. Parlayed, parlayed with evil is, um, it's a, it's a story about society. The breakdown in society, the breakdown in the family dynamics, and the effects that it has on the future—even in um, a futuristic world that where where people could be have no choice but to revert to the past to get by—they're um, a little bit more compassionate when they don't have quite so many distracting gadgets. <laughs>
2: True And, you know, I I have to say I don't often sit down and read novels But when I started on your book I couldn't put it down (laughs) Because of all these different things And you talk about this aspect of, you know, carrying on through the bloodlines, and, and there were just so many things that reminded me of, you know, the, the aspects of people, and I don't want to give too much away about your book because I don't, you know, if somebody's reading it, I don't want them to know everything before they, you know, go out and read your book. But um, it reminds me a lot of of how politicians are groomed. <laughs>
3: So we say, in our yes. world. Some
2: of the wealthy families yes. are groomed in our world and they're programmed from very, very young. I mean, we all kind of have these programmings of, uh, you know, telling our sons, don't cry over this or don't, you know, man up mm-hmm. or, you know, women be quiet or whatever the case is. And Yeah, where sensitivity
3: um, is a weakness, seen as a weakness, right. And it's not. It's yeah. not it's, yeah, that's that's conditioning and programming, like you say.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is conditioning and programming, and and your book really brought that out very well, I thought, because uh, you know it really showed how you can take this this innocent child, so to say, and groom them in these manners, and I think it's very enlightening giving a, the times that we're in in a book like yours where you can really see how that happens and, <laughs> you know, where the instincts start with, you know, the, part of them come right through the bloodline, and the bloodline is that, um, what it is, but another part of it is also the gringing that's followed through on that and, um you know, some of us, don't, some people don't want to look at that. <laughs> I think they don't want no. to see that programming that's there, but it's, it is definitely there. Um, and a, I, I just found this really, really fascinating. Share with us a little bit about what's behind the title of your book, Parlay with Evil.
3: Okay, Parlay with Evil is... Um, negotiating terms with the enemy and negotiating terms with the enemy is a dual um, description of what this book is, is entirely about. And that is that there, there's the enemy, but the enemy is within because you allow it to be there. And, What I mean by that is that um, if you allow the the negative to overpower the positive in your life, it's not long before you find yourself really, really in, in in a dark, dark, deep, dark place, and it's very difficult to get out of there. Um, so negotiating terms with the enemy is uh, the negative, and you, the individual, or in in my case, it was me. I was my what the, I I don't like to use that um, you're your own worst enemy uh, phrase, but in effect, that's that's what you do is you sabotage yourself, and you stay in a place of of uh, sorrow and pain, and the the weight is so heavy on you that you your energy is drained and you can't get out. And so the way that I made it through all the trials and and all of the pain and suffering in my life, of which I you know I'm not going to go into,
2: but I mean er-
3: there everybody has their um, problems that they're dealing with. In my case. I was raised around negativity, you know, uh way too much negativity, you know, not necessarily any one specific person, but there was too much negativity in my environment as a child, and during my development um, within the the fragment where you are beginning to find your own identity, that was completely skipped in my in my development. And so I had to double back and try to find out who I really was and why I really was and what I was doing here. And in the interim, um, you know, it snowballs. Problems snowball, one thing happens and then another thing happens and before you know it you you've you've lost yourself because you're so unhappy. You can't find you can't, you can't find hardly any happiness um, at all. And it's all, you know, it, it came to be that um, it was all really in my mind because I needed to change my mind in order to get out of the rut that I was in. Writing parlet- parlay was it was in effect, it was journaling and it was it was the way that I brought myself out of severe depression. I was I was in severe, severe depression for the full thirteen years that Parlay with Evil was in the making.
2: And I, I would have been, I would have to think that would be really really tough on you too. And I want you to continue with what's behind the title, but I, it also ties in with some other aspects that I I was hoping you would bring out which is this aspect that you know you wrote this book and it's almost like you're giving these different areas and aspects of your life <laughs> you know one hand it's not your life and another hand it kind of is um right. these different characters and you're bringing these different aspects to life through the characters in your book and it had to be incredibly hard because it would have been like just reliving those experiences over and over again.
3: That is precisely what it was. And uh, believe me, I prayed every day. Please take this thing away from me. It's killing me. I, you know, I can't. I can't take this anymore. Um, it is. It's a really. It's a really dark place. And. You you have to find a way to survive. It's just part of our, you know, our instinct to survive. So when I developed the characters for Parley, I um, used personality traits and characteristics of People throughout my life that i had had observed no you know no one specific person, and I tried to figure out why they acted like they did and why they why they treated people badly you know why why it was so necessary for there to be such a huge gap between um uh different groups of people, different age groups you know i couldn't I couldn't quite- quite wrap my mind around that when i was when I was a child because I always thought we were all you know I was taught in Sunday school and you know we're all the same and we need to be you know loving and kind to each other and and then I would watch those same people you know in the parking lot of a grocery store later fighting with their neighbor and you know it was such a hypocrisy for me it was like how am i going how am i going to figure this out where is where is the compassion why doesn't everybody why doesn't everybody care about everybody why doesn't anybody care about me is what i felt and with damon in in the book <clears throat> um which damon you know i'll I'll tell the tell the um listeners Damon is the the main character of the story, and he's the child that's depicted on the cover of the book. And he's in, you know, he's he's in a really dangerous spot, and his mother um, has to hide him in an orphanage to protect him from his dad because he's so cruel, and he's so, he was mistreated by his father before him. And so on and so forth, and was it was carrying on through the bloodline, so the mother chose to give up her only son, her only child, to try to break the chain of violence
2: um, uh, then and I, have to a, say, I ha i i I'm, I'm going to interject a little bit here. I have to say you brought that out so well in the book because there were aspects of bringing those characters together that you don't you don't get when you're first initially reading what's going on there you know it doesn't unfold till later in the book where you get some of those pieces but as you say you know it's interesting to see how the abuse is groomed through the family and the hypocrisy that you mentioned is so mm-hmm. huge because we see that so often in society where somebody says something and then they do something else and and we see this even among a lot of spiritual people too um mm-hmm. out there, and it creates conflict in our brain um, and and it creates this confusion like you were experiencing. The confusion of I don't understand, I don't get this. It, it creates a lot of chaos and confusion. So go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: oh
3: no, it's it's fine. Um, the family dynamics is you know is is really key in, in parlay with evil. It, it's it's the children. It's our it's our children that we need to be really the best role models that we can possibly be. And we need to start, um, there needs to be, just like the song says, or I think it's a song, um, there needs to be a a lot less talk and a lot more action. You need to show children that you love them and so that they can show love in turn and even sometimes There are cases where even the child that receives the best um, child-rearing program that could ever be done can grow up and still have an inherent feature within their character and within their demeanor that they don't understand, that they've inherited that is like a, it might as well be a red button where, you know, don't push this red button. Because when you do, there's going to be mass de- devastation because that person is going to blow up just at the, you know, and it's almost like there's people in our society or in society that that is what they are setting out to do deliberately is to cause the hate and discontent. The, within parlay with Evil, you know, I speak about the elitist and um, Damon's father in the book. His father is Jonathan. His name is Jonathan Marquez. Jonathan Marquez in the future is one of the elitists that holds all of the supplies, you know, and everything that that the people need to just the basic needs to get by within his within his grasp, and he makes them do just countless terrible things, you know, know, in order, before he'll disperse the supplies, you have to do this for him, and you better like doing this for him. And this is the power struggle that we have that is our huge problem in our society, and we all know about the 1%, the hoarders, that are keeping all the rest of us, you know, down, and serve, subservient, You know, you're gonna serve me, and you're gonna like it. And somehow, there's got there's gonna have to come a time when we all stand, because we are the many, and they are the few. And it's the same thing with family dynamics and with the rearing of your children. Or, you know, we should look at all of the children as our children, because we are all connected and we should care about everyone and keep an eye out and make sure that the, that people aren't in harm's way, especially children. And I'm going to take a breather. Do you have a, do you have something else that you wanted to say?
2: <laughs> I think I think that that is so true. Uh, you know that that living example, and uh, you know, again, you you bring out. Between that grooming, that thought pattern, that really is in that one percent uh, elitist mentality, um, yep. it, in there. I mean, I have to say that it's like when you're when you are bringing these characters out, it's like, yeah, this guy is really relentless, <laughs> you know. He's really relentless in what he wants, and and um, he's determined that nothing is going to stop him, you know, whatsoever in that process. Now, um, you know, in your book, I mean, um, you're, you know, and, and I was going to say that, you know, your villain comes from this very rich and powerful family that. It seems, and, and you were kind of touching on that, that aspect of, you know, this is how the 1% sees life. And, um, I mean, are there other ways that you see that relating to real life when that use of that rich and powerful uh, aspect in there? The, because, yes, because the... the the rich and
3: the powerful aspect is the whole problem in my eyes. That's where, that's that's the the root of all evil. That's, you know, I'm not saying that all of the people that are rich and powerful are, are you know, um, despicable human beings. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that they have a different air about them, and they have a different way of looking at um, looking down at everyone below them they they're they're raised with they're raised with the um, the mentality that they are better than anyone else. You know that they are that they are superior. That they that they are um, the other people are pawn scum. You know they don't mean anything, so you don't have to treat them right because all they are they might as well be a piece of furniture sitting there, as far as they're concerned. The only reason that they like with Jonathan in the book, other people were just a means to his end, whatever that he wanted to accomplish. And it didn't matter it didn't matter whether they were really nice people that he was, you know, dealing with or not, because he just he did he just didn't see him as an equal to him and 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 his you know, his persona and how he how he appears in the book. And he is Jonathan Marquess is a villain like no other. There's no doubt about it. I've never read another villain quite like him (laughs) in the books that I've read either. And, of course, you don't read about Jonathan in, you know, works of nonfiction typically either, but he's still a very real character because he, he is part of society. My characters are all parts of society. And parts of my observations of what I've seen and the way that others treat treat you know the way people treat each other and it's just got to end to have any form of quality life we are none of us are better than anybody else we're just different and we're all connected and we we're all we're all connected to source Jeez. that's it.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we need to wake up in these days and yes. times and it very much applies to the direction we're headed, this kingship mentality. You know, yes. if we don't step up and say, I'm not going to do your bidding and your will and, you know, if that mm-hmm. means I have to go to work with somebody else, even if there almost is no other employment, I'm going to do that. Um because you you really bring that up. I mean, to them, it's like, you're just here to serve me. You know, right. you're here to do my bidding and my will, and I am not here to share any emotions. And and um, if I share any emotions, then my guard is coming down. Matter of fact, you brought that out in the book uh, with, with your key villain that there's a point further along in the book that he gets very concerned that he hasn't... Um, Shown that he's in power and he's in control of the situation, he gets very concerned. He's shown a weakness um, along the way, and I would say, like many of the the rich and wealthy, he then goes out and takes it out on some people. <laughs> you know, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he has he
3: has a, a tantrum. You know. Um, mhm. And you know we don't know how often that happens in real life. Things that we don't know anything about. Um, people disappear all the time from um, the the elite or the the all powerful or the powers that be that think that human life or even animal life for that matter is means nothing. You know, just they'll just. You know, put somebody, put somebody down, just and not even blink an eye, overdoing it, no conscience. And you know, the, it does come into play too. It really makes you wonder how, what portion of our population—I w- I should do some research on this—on our population of the world are actually psychopaths. How many? I need to look that up um where they they don't have any conscience they don't have any empathy they don't even know and there's where the compassion comes in when you're trying to figure out why people do the things that they do and react the way that they do is you know in the book with Jonathan you know you know maybe he's sick you know, maybe he's mentally ill. Maybe he's, or maybe he's just, you know, mean, or you know, indignant, or just uh, angry because he was even born. You know, just so angry with his life that this is how he's, how he's, you know, acting out. When I was writing the book, I had I had several New York editors that had uh, given me suggestions. Um, um, as far as Jonathan goes specifically. And they told me that you can't have a character in your book that nobody likes. You have to make him likable. And I thought to myself, (laughs) how in the world am I going to make this guy likable? But, you know, I did try to put a little bit of empathy in there, you know, and I was trying to be compassionate when I wrote it and try and not to just, you know, hey, if you're doing this to people and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, knock it off. You know who you are. Stop stop acting like that. Um, without considering, I don't have any of the background of the power, you know, the, the elitists and the people in the real life, in, in in real, true life, not in my book. But I don't have all of the information before I make a judgment on people. And when I wrote Parley, um, I did it with just a high school education under my belt. And... Just my observation of life and relationships and the way that people treat each other um, so you you do have you, we do we really should have compassion for everyone no matter what their personality is or what they're pulling you know um, we really should take that information into consideration before casting judgment but there again you know you are going to be judged by your actions and i don't know how society is going to ever rally around the heart of the matter and that's the stability and the um the life of of our future generations i don't i don't know how how we're ever going to resolve anything if we don't stand up and stand together unite because we are the many they are the few and that's all there is to it i mean the majority rules it's as simple as that <laughs> everybody is so afraid you know just like it within within parlay you know jonathan you know just makes everybody shiver practically, you know, and, and he, he does have a way of making you angry when you're reading him. <laughs> you know. Uh,
2: he he kind of reminds me of a of a Napoleon.
1: <laughs>
2: or not Napoleon, yeah, in a but uh, um, uh, of a uh, uh, Hitler. Yeah, he kind of reminds yeah. me of a Hitler. Yeah. This, yeah, this he does. coldness, you know, so cold about him, and it's like I remember reading about him. I'm like, this guy is so ruthless. He is endlessly ruthless. You know, he yep. he sneaks and attacks in the middle of the night when nobody's watching, and mm-hmm. and yet this is how it works. Oftentimes, when we look at the parallels, you know, the, the negative thoughts creep in, oftentimes at night or things like that. Some of the bigger fears come up. And yet, at the same time, I think you've built in a little bit of remorse for him in the very, very beginning of the book, you know, where you've got a little bit of sympathy going for him. Because in the very beginning of the book, he shows some emotions as a child, and those emotions right. are immediately stomped on by his father. Right
4: and said, you will
2: not do this, you will not, you know. And he was groomed then to bring that heavy hand down just like his father did on him. And, you know, you talk about this, and this is what separates us off from the cold-blooded negative side is that, that, that aspect of feel. And I think this is one of the things that really concerns me when we look at society today is that whether people are trying to balance or whatever it is, so many people are choosing not to feel. And when we squash that down like Jonathan did, when he had to to do that and, and it it became an aspect of finding that he loved to be in that callous space. He could avoid a lot of things in that space, but when we do that, that evil is growing and growing and growing in us um, there. And again, later, much later in the book, uh, you know, you show this little spot where he lets his guard down for a moment, and he comes back and he's like, I can't do that. <laughs> right, <laughs>
3: there. right. I'm glad you noticed that. You know, that was pretty subtle in the book. Good job. Uh, You know, um, it must have been just right in the right spot and written just in the right time and and good enough. (laughs) Well, great. i love to hear that. He he is, Jonathan, you almost do feel sorry for him. Um, Of course, we don't want to give the readers too much or the listeners too much information about Parley with Evil. The proof is in the pages that it is definitely... Something worth reading if you, um, is you know as long as you're not a tender-hearted individual because it, you know if, if you're really super tender-hearted, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it hard? It would be hard for someone like that to get through that book.
2: Um, and here yeah, I it's, it's it's hard to say because what's interesting. I think, too, that you brought out in that, that process is that you do have the very caring characters. And, you know, you do show where um, somebody can come from a bloodline like that, but it they still have to choose whether they're going to walk that bloodline pattern or whether they're going to go in a different direction. So right. So, for, for example this son that went off to uh, the orphanage and was raised in this very loving family and, you know, and then had to venture out into the world because he had this kind of sheltered life in there. And I think also you brought out some aspects in the book with some of the characters that worked for Jonathan that, you know it reminded us that not everybody that works for these people are like these people
3: no they're forced to work you know for the necessity of of the compensation they're not necessarily evil just because of the or bad because just because of the company they keep there's all different there's a lot of different reasons why why people um are in the search, situation that they are but like you know we were talking a little bit earlier you know if everybody takes a stand against you know people like that and everybody walks away then they you take their power away from them when you walk away you know mm-hmm. because that's what they need um i wrote a post on linkedin and and one of my phrases was the greedy are the most needy they're the ones that are insecure They're the ones that just keep having to gather up all of these baubles and all of these things and all of these items to make themselves feel bigger um, and feel important because they feel, you know, they basically just feel so crappy about themselves on the interior when it comes right down to it. Oh, thanks, Mom. So.
2: it's yeah and and there's this aspect that because they're always living by other people's perceptions that and and I think you showed this in the book too at one point that it it's very easy for them to crumble you know if if anybody defies that, if anybody stands up for their freedom, <laughs> it can be That's right very easy Mm -hmm. for them to crumble. It doesn't take much. It takes just one little, it it takes just one person to say no, (laughs) really. And they're Mm -hmm. very thrown by that. Like, what do you mean no? (laughs) What do you mean, you know, um, that? But you have some very sweet spots in the book, too. Um, You know, we've been talking about the villains here in your book. But you've got some very sweet spots. this, um, you know, the loving memories, the, the things that people will do to protect those that they know maybe are kind of special in the world, if we want to say that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they can see somebody who's going to make a purpose or an impact in the world and the people that will stand up to them, the journeys that you have one of your characters going through of finding a guide and losing that guide and having to go alone and not have that guide with them. Um, you've got some very sweet spots in the book that relate to finding new families, community, um, and having yeah. break in as an outsider to an inner community group. So I'm going to let you choose where you want to start with all of those different little tidbits with my well there is
3: there is an awful lot going on in the book there's a lot um there there are a lot of subplots and there are two climaxes in parlay with evil, one of them goes on for thirty five pages um that's part of the page Turner effect I guess you know i am glad it turned out that way, especially with all of my um characters. The reason why I have um the characters that I do is to build the community, you know, and the um the support system for for the lead character throughout throughout the novel. Um it was really difficult for me to write about all of the negativity and 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 feel like I was um Making headway and and really um, writing a, a quality piece that that would be worth reading. And so it was really in order for me to make it through it because it was so. Um, uh, at the time that I was writing the book, I was going through a really hard time in my life. And so I I was really depressed. And so, in effect, I guess I could say that I was tr- trying to um, entertain my audience and myself, and just trying to make it make it through it the best way that I could, or the best way that I knew how at the time, with the characters and their um, support system and their camaraderie, and their um, the way they rally around. To um, support what's truly right, and, you know, and the right thing to do um, was really—it it, just—that's what, what what was kind of what kept everything together for me, instead of it all just flying apart and crumbling under the evil that that was present within the book, during the time that I was writing it. it well, the evil, you know, slash negativity, negative energy, um, we could we could call it, you know, either of those. I had to make it through it, and Damon had to make it through it, it the best that we could, during the time that I was working on it. Um, I did learn a lot, from the characters in my book, I, I couldn't even believe that I would even um, be able to uh, conjure up these types of characters in my mind, especially in the way, the state of my mind at the time that I wrote it, because I was
2: very unstable.
3: I really was. So I'm glad to hear that you were able to make it through the book and you understood everything. <laughs> but I, I, I have had, a lot of, I have had a lot of fans tell me that they really liked it I have been put in the same sentence with Stephen King which I don't know if I agree with that I don't I've read quite a few of Stephen King's books and I don't parlay really isn't it's more um, it's more like something that maybe John Saul would have written like the unloved or I can't remember another name when he was younger, when he was when he was a new hungry you know, author. Um, it was one of his first books. So with with Parley with Evil, uh, you know, I can't tell a whole bunch about it because I want people to read the message that's within the pages of the, of the storyline. Um, you know, on their phone to make their own
2: decision. Mhm. I I think that when if people are relating you to Stephen King, it's because Stephen King has some very ruthless evil characters. <laughs> in, oh yeah, he does. Book. You <laughs> know, he, <laughs> he deals does. with that supernatural aspect and you have these supernaturals of making evil real in this book, not just internally but you know, real externally in the world,
1: and
3: it you know, and, and it ab- absolutely in my mind when I was writing it, it absolutely was real. I mean, the evil, the the demon is it was in there, and it was with me the whole time. And that
2: I wrote And that then, book. and then you've got also though with the character demon, something that you know is that natural balance in the world, which is the natural good as well and you know and the fight that you know no no matter how you're raised you still have certain things within you that you have to fight off and you wonder you know where does this emotion or this mood come from and that's where we get back to some of the bloodline aspects of things um but you know of course Damon chooses this sort of I've got to get out and explore the world, which I think a lot of us can relate to. We want to get out and explore the world at some point. When we look at the spiritual path, we need to get out and explore what it's all about. And there can be risky and scary parts as our gifts develop. Um, But the, the challenges, I think you brought out so well in your book the challenges that go when we step out of the, protection of our little shelter and you bring hmm. out so much about there was so many synchronicities and timing of, you know, of, of getting out, you know, listening to his instincts of when to go uh, type of thing uh, mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I mentioned, this, this need to journey alone for a while, which is, for a lot of people is very tough. It's a very hard part of the path when you you finally find that guide or that angel or whoever it is, the real person that steps into your life and mentors you and then and then they pass on I mean I remember one of my mentors I had a very hard time when she passed on um, because of the impact that she made in my life and I felt lost and alone and it was like wow <laughs> you know Yes.
3: Well, and yeah. thinking about you know writing that and having it come through um, correctly and and have the timing be just right is, is pretty amazing. Um, spiritual growth of Damon and you know has not really been outlined that that much in, in the book, um, that was that's probably gonna be part of the sequel, um which I have not even begun to write yet because I wanna see where Parlay goes before I do a sequel. But that was part of my my original um plan for the second book of, was to take him deeper into spirituality and you know, because when the book ends, Damon's only like twenty three years old, so he's still quite young and um, that would that would be the perfect timing to bring that in too i think in his in his uh his adult uh, development. Because we develop all the way until the, the the day we die for for sure um
2: well I would agree with that because you know, if he branched out in the world is this young age when a lot of us want to get out into the world. And we're not always completely ready to deal with it. And that's when we, we struggle with what to do, you know, whether we're going to use our power ethically or not. Because I think you mentioned that in his character in one point, that he was... Getting this sort of powerful feeling dwelling up, and um there were aspects that you pointed out of him becoming, starting to become like his father, and his struggle to fight that off. And I think when our powers are developing at that age that he was at, and we have to make that choice: are we going to use our power for good, or are we going to use our power for evil?
3: Right. That's exactly that's exactly what that is right there in in that section of the book. He he does he questions, you know, what is this? What what? Where is this coming from? And he has absolutely no idea what to do with it. And I think that you know, uh, if you've ever been to the point in your life where everything has felt so heavy and. You all of a sudden you just you just not necessarily snap but you just blow you just you know just blow up and and that you know that's what the the that's what I was trying to describe is that when we have these feelings of um frustration really, really bad feelings of frustration. Damon goes through that, you know. Well, of course, teenagers go through that when, you know, when they're going through, through you know, through young adult times. But with Damon, um, you know, it's no different than anyone else where, you know, things are just getting piled onto you and piled onto you and you don't understand and you don't understand what's going on. You don't know which way to go. You, you, your mind isn't even clear enough to know or even think about the differences between right and wrong at that point in time because you're out of your mind. It's an out of out of mind um, uh, experience where you you know you just don't you don't know what to do with it. All you know is that you just feel terrible and you're just shaken to to the core. And, you know, trying to make sure that you're not going to cross that line and do something bad because you're having a temper tantrum. Um, in Damon's case, he's, you know, he's got a little bit stronger dose of exactly that kind of a feeling where, you know, when somebody makes him angry, um, he can't, you know he has difficulties controlling his controlling that aspect of of his, you know, his character, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't, you know. Well, he's well. We can't tell him the rest of the story, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it that is part of growing up and part of um, coming into your own and and real, realizing who you really are, and you know how many people really do know. Who they are? How many people are even exactly. have the
2: time to evaluate it? Mm-hmm. It's exactly, and and especially when you're young and you're you're getting out in the world, there's a whole new realm of discovering who you are. Um, but even sure. when you start on your spiritual path, it's a sense of who am I? Uh, at all different phases of our life. We go through these different periods of who am I? And, um, you know, another aspect that's happening with him is that there's a lot of violence, or in this case evil, that follows him wherever he goes. And I think that that is another piece that, Goes with some of the dark night of the soul aspect that goes with the growth process, where we sometimes go through these phases of it doesn't seem to matter what I do, these bad things keep happening. You know, as, you, mm-hmm. as, as we said in the intro for you, you know, why do bad things keep happening to good people? <laughs> And there yeah. is this sense that you go through sometimes. There are these phases that you go through where it's like, it doesn't seem to matter how nice I am or how compassionate I am or how loving I am or how much I grow. It's like this evil is following me and
3: I don't get it. Yeah, it's like it's like that, that big dark cloud. And, you know, the way that I made it through and the way Damon makes it through in the book is, is concentrating on those those special glimpses of light and love and just keep trying to reach for those things and you can't ever ignore um evil, you know, no matter what or negativity or whatever. You you can't ignore it, but you can choose to um Go, to, go go, in the right, take the right path, go in the light, go to the light, and just, you know, try to shrug evil and negativity off the best that you can. But we're always going to be, uh, I, you know, I'm afraid, you know, we're, we're going to be exposed to that indefinitely at this point in time because mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, how much time it's going to take to actually have the evil and the negativity wiped out for once and and forever, I I don't know, I don't even know how that's even possible. But I do know that um, if we unite, we can make a difference. That's the only and, way. And
2: you
3: can't just have a lot of people.
1: hmm.
2: And that uniting is something that Damon eventually finds. But before he finds that uniting, he has to go through various aspects of people wanting to revolt against him. He has to go through aspects of feeling responsible for things. He he goes through a lot of judgment. And I think that this is another thing, too, you know when we talk about people, because there's so many things that go into why things go right or wrong for somebody in their life, and again, they can be taking all the steps and be proactive in their process, and they can be coming from this enormous heart space and everything else, but this so-called evil keeps following them around and people judge them as you're not taking care of things you're not doing something you're not you know and right. all this blame That's can the start in and matter of fact i have this little snippet which is on your website just to kind of describe this little piece or part of this piece that we're talking about and it says the isolated community of chance plagued with fear because of missing townspeople and strange events, the newest resident, Damon, is suspected of somehow being responsible, but it cannot be proven. And Damon wants more than anything to prove he is innocent. Yet Damon's lifelong haunting visions and nightmares of abuse tell him that he may have somehow attracted danger to this town. Mm-hmm. This brings so many parallels here, Debbie, because I look at this and this is one of those things where it's kind of like we see this this parallel in so many stories, be them biblical or other spiritual teachings, that the good kid goes off <laughs> away from the family, is raised someplace else, and then... Because they're away, there's almost like this anger that they're not there to be controlled. There's almost like this, now I'm going to make everybody suffer who helps you. I felt like that in my life where everybody who tried to help me, something happened to them. And it it was a really hard thing to, to kind of work through and work past. And people are pointing fingers at me like, you're bringing this. To us, and in a sense, you are because you've got people that are following you, <laughs> in know, or trying to huh? do things for you, and yet at the same time, you've done nothing. So, I'll let you comment on that.
3: Well, the um, yeah, the draw, the draw of the negativity, um, the threat, because that's where it lies is that if you are a draw. You are a threat in society because you are getting the attention that i mean you're you're a threat that that's why they're following you that's why they're coming after you that's why they're um they're they're jealous and and they're they're just not um what was I had a thought and I just lost it.
2: Well, I'll jump in there while you're bringing your thought back because you talk okay. about that threat <laughs> and it loops, it loops right back into where we were kind of starting, um, when you came on, which has to do with the programming, the programming of that elite of that one percent wants us to believe that that we will have nothing but pain and that we'll never find love if we take our independence and go out and speak our own way. And mm-hmm. so they're very threatened by that independence. It's like, I can't have you be independent because if you're independent, then I'm weak as a ruler, as a leader, as an elite. Well, that doesn't feed their ego, see. They've they gotta
3: have, they got to have their entourage. Or their not their entourage, but their um, their their sub, you know their servant. To and they have to have control. This is it's about it's all about I'm better than you are, so I get to I'm I'm in charge. I get to be in charge because I'm qualified and you're not, and I'm better than you and I have more money than you, and I'm smarter than you are, but that's such a misconception, but they don't see it it as such. They see it as if you don't have very much money, then you don't have very much intelligence, and that's a really ignorant way to look at it (laughs) because there are so many different levels of intelligence and so many people out there that uh, I don't care if they're living in a tent under a bridge. they, They have intelligence. You know, they could they could have the intelligence of a, of a professor, you know, of in one of the sciences. Um, yeah, we don't know that, and they just assume with their level of control that nobody is going to be able to rise up and even talk to them, much less. Be able to tell them something that they don't already know, because we're we're low life. We're the we're the lower level. um, We're we're the people that are um, should be expendable. You know, expendable, Mm -hmm. especially if um, uh, there's a food shortage. If if there happens to be a food shortage, um, we are just a draw on the system. And they so we're like a what what would be the best word Um, varmint. Uh,
2: We're we're dispensable in their eyes. And mm -hmm. you brought up and it's kind of that aspect that people realize that one person gets away, then they're going to think that they can do that too, and then I won't have anybody to control and serve me. Um, right. So it just well, creates that, that cascading. Yeah, they perceive that cascading effect of if if they you know we can't let the masses see this person get away with this over here, this do gooder and get out of my control. And, and we see that a lot in the media. Well, let's let's change it so we uh, we make the people believe <laughs> that we knew this all along that we're allowing this. Versus, uh-huh. you know, they got out of our control.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But that's, that's it's all it's all smoke and mirrors with them. With, I mean, they don't even. Everyone needs to to have compassion for everyone else. I mean, we even need to have compassion for the one percent because we don't know what they're hiding. You know, we know how they act and we know that they're not acting properly for the collective as a whole, that they're being real selfish and self-absorbed and it's all about them and their and their bloodline and what goes on from there. Um, but we still don't know what, what it is, just like with Jonathan. You know, Jonathan was... Um, was raised in a in an environment that you know most adults uh wouldn't be able to make it through much less a child
1: you know yes
3: and then he he became angry and you know which i think a lot of um people of power can actually develop over time is is a level of extreme anger because they feel like they have so much to lose, um, and so their their emotions are elevated because of that. And um, it makes you it 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 just makes you try to figure out some kind of a, um process or even a questionnaire. To test these the the people of power and find out what it is they're thinking about. You know, what is why why are you doing this? I'd love to ask them. I I don't know anybody that's you know that wealthy or any part of of um, you know the government or the um, the upper of uh, rulers that we have on the planet all over the world. Um, but I would like to ask them, you know, that would be great if we could get an interview with somebody like that, because that's the first thing I'd ask, is don't you see what's wrong with what you're doing? Why are you even allowing this to to take place? Why why are these children starving when you have enough money you know, in one of your Swiss bank accounts, to take care of a small country, you know, for three months. I don't get it. I'm, I'm, I don't get it. I'd love to ask them though. Do you think that you could work out something and get a <laughs> get somebody <laughs> really, really wealthy on on the show?
2: Well, you know, who who knows what will will come about. I've had somebody actually. Um, who has shared some of their journey, and I may have to bring him back on. I've actually had him on twice on the show, um, and and he's written a book as well uh, called The Earth Keeper, and his name is Adam Hall. Uh, mm-hmm. And and what he shared in the book is so much more than what he's talked about in the projects he's launched, and he came from a very wealthy family. And he started to realize you know, what that upper echelon, so to say, was like and chose to take a different direction and use his money in a way to preserve the earth. And he's become a keeper of the earth, uh, so to say. And Mm -hmm. so we we have Mm -hmm. made a transition out of it. But I think, too, that, you know, you brought up a point that they have so much to lose and that they live under so much fear and threat and that it is... Even as abusive as they can be, it's like anybody who's abusive with or without money. You know, they're programmed that their happiness is on the outside, so they're constantly dealing with a lack of fulfillment in their life. They, they, They are not getting to experience love, and I have tremendous compassion for people who are unable to feel or experience love in their life. And we don't right. like to look at that. We have so much to hate them, but when we hate them we move into their space. We move into right. that evil. We are inviting the evil within And us. it will consume you. We'll, mm-hmm. Yes. And it, it will, will. consume you. Mm-hmm. It will absolutely. And and that's where we open the doors and we say, you know what? If we really looked at how these people were groomed, what they went through, um you know, they they have, they they live in suffering. They live in great suffering. And I dated somebody who was very wealthy, not as wealthy as the 1%, but well off. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, the family, his father developed it. They weren't always wealthy, but his father developed it through a family business. But I think we're seeing some of this change, too, and I think it's going to be interesting, and I think at some point I'm going to have to watch maybe some of these um, families from the 1%, because I'm noticing there's a lot of the children, Debbie, who kind of like the character in your book, are not walking the family bloodline path, and they're they're coming – in charge of the companies, and they're coming in charge of things, and they're saying this isn't right, and I'm not going to do right. this anymore.
4: So mm-hmm.
2: I think we do have a turning point coming, and I think we it would be kind of interesting to to bring somebody on from that realm. I mean, you know, somebody is you know. Well, even if it was somebody maybe, that was Maybe around, I can but... interview Oprah. <laughs> Why, what, Chad? I said maybe I can interview Oprah. <laughs>
3: oh, yay. Well, let's do it. Let's, let's get Oprah on here.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so
1: um...
2: Go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say, but <laughs> well, she's definitely up there, so you know it could work.
3: <laughs> yeah, it could. It seriously could. With the, um, but with the with the the story of of Damon, you know, it's just so sad because there's so many children that are in the same type of environment that that Damon, you know uh started out in and what Jonathan grew up in um to this day i mean this is this is a pattern of uh family dynamics that has absolutely got got to uh to stop for the well being of of you know of new souls and and our precious children because i think that when every time that every time that a child is born it's a, it's another chance for love on our planet you know there's there it's just and when every time a new soul comes it's a it's a new chance for love and well i
2: i think i think you're right about that and i think you brought that up beautifully in the book that at some <laughs> point Somebody has to say, I'm not going to let you grow up this way. You're going to grow up in something loving. Right. And
3: it's much easier to do that than most people would like to, to think, to make a stand and just, you know, stand up. I mean, even if it's not your, even if it's not even your child, if it's your niece or your nephew or your, you know cousin or or the next next door neighbor we really need to you know be careful how we treat our children because if they grow up with a um an unstable uh foundation they have such a hard time getting through life and then they spend half of their adult life um in search of happiness and and trying to repair everything that happened to him during the program stages as a child, and it's unfortunate and it's not fair either. It's not fair to do that to 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 anybody. Um, all of the children, all of the all of the new souls need to have the same opportunity um, and to be to be able to flourish and. And live in an environment that loving and nurturing and um, helps aid in in you know healthy growth of our of our species and having having compassion for you know the the people that appear to be rebels and you know just despicable human beings, um, gets pretty difficult at times, especially when you know people within your own circle that are, they stay the same and the same and the same. And no matter how many times you try to discuss with them the necessity to, you know, just, can't you just be nice? Would it be that difficult for you just to be nice? Um, and they can't even seem to accomplish that. That's really sad. Um, yes. that is really sad. <laughs> that happens a lot.
2: Mhm. It it does, and I think when people get caught in those negative spaces, it it's so easy to spiral and stay there, and you know. Um, they they get their own sense of You know uh, Connection through that They get their own sense of getting attention through that um, Right
3: it Maybe not in the
2: positive way Yeah like That's their
3: sustenance You know that's where You know it might not be the the Most nutritious But but it still Is their sustenance and they get by On it and they thrive
2: off of it
0: hmm Mm
2: -hmm. well it's kind of like if you have a diet full of sugar you're going to keep craving a whole ton of more sugar and things that aren't healthy and you're not going to feel well and then you're going to take other things and so on Um, whereas if you can get some of that really great healthy nourishment going in your life um, you tend to give up the sugar uh, and you know the things that aren't good for you that are tearing you apart Uh, I think there's a parallel in that. I would love for you to share just a little bit here, Debbie, about the healing, maybe, that's taken place in your own life by getting through this book, because I know this was a huge thing for you to get through, and I know it was a huge journey. I mean, 13 years, I think it was, to write the book, and... you know it's it been was very tough to be- yeah <laughs> well so, the
3: healing um, the, the healing um for me it's it's taken a really really, really long time because i didn't have i i didn't research everything that it would entail for me to be able to um heal myself. Um, so it's taking longer than I think that it would normally take for someone else who was better prepared to, or who had a mentor or a teacher, of which I didn't have any anyone like that. So I would strongly advise anybody that's having a really hard time to um, find someone that they can talk to and that carries um uh, Um, a wealth of information um, about how you can help yourself make it through um, the most devastating, painful, gut-wrenching experiences of your life so that it doesn't take away from your life and take years off of your life, which is what it's done to me because it's been really, really, really hard. My spirituality, my my way that I was able to um, heal myself, and I'm still working on that because there's still triggers in society that still trigger my depression. But health-wise, um, I just had to, I had to pray all the time. I had to find myself. Before I could heal myself, I had to find myself, uh, find out who I really was, what were the things within my character and demeanor that were, were that were stunting my growth and stopping my happiness. I found it to be negativity and background, background noise, background um, child-rearing, environment, um, being with, the, you know, people that I didn't fit well with um, And finding finding the positive flow Finding the positive energy and getting in it and staying in it And, um, uh, you know, deflecting as much of the negativity as I possibly could And it took time It took a really long time It took years of, uh, I mean, I during during the course of writing parley with evil i don't know how i made it through it cuz lots of times i just i just it would have been easier to die it was that bad it was just so devastating and with all the things that were happening in my life outside of the book at the time as well it was like a massive overload of debris that weighed me down and kept me down for 13 years it, you know just kept me trapped in one spot and i did start looking at people later as i started getting better i actually did start um, having the ability to look at the people that i felt had victimized me with um compassion and uh forgiveness for what they what they had done um started coming into my into my heart and once that that transpired, it got easier to get in the positive flow uh and the flow to recovery. That's what it took and God absolutely spirit you know um the divine the divine power you know he the divine source is um without without him. Uh, I would have never made it, and also he wouldn't let me quit it because I kept, I kept uh, praying for him to take it away from me, and he just wouldn't take it. It was <laughs> like, it was like, you know, there's, you're gonna finish this, you're gonna complete the project, this is necessary, and I'll let you know when it's time to stop, and. <laughs> You know, I still, I think I was still a little premature bringing it out, but I just couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't
1: take I think the... you,
2: yeah, you know, I think that you summed it up so beautifully, and that is we have to get to a point where we just open up to letting people of light into our life so that we can get that experience and surround ourselves with some love, just to have that strength in there. Oh, I beautiful think love story.
3: Is, yeah. I think love, is it's all about love. I think love is the purpose, it's the key, it's the story because when you think about it, if you really have love in your heart, you're not going to be able to harm somebody else. Not you know, it's going to go against your nature. So, it is really about finding your love. Where where is your love? Where is the love? Where did go? How are we going to capture it, and how are we going to glue it all together so that we can make the world a better place?
2: That was a perfect summary, right there. <laughs> thank <laughs> you, thank you very much. We're, we're down right on our time here because um, oh. I, I have to get a couple of things wrapped up here. But I want to thank you so much for being with us, Debbie, and sharing your work, Carley, with Evil. Um certainly people can go to your website, which is dclarksparley.com, dot com and that's d c l a r k x p a r l e y dot com you can buy the book directly through her website um I've also posted debbie's book on my guest products tab of my uh on my website. So, um, and that's under the products area, so you can also go through there if you want to do it that way. It's on Amazon and Kindle and various things. But, Debbie, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for being here and sharing. It's a
3: pleasure.
2: It's a pleasure to have you with us. And um, I think you have an amazing piece of work here that you made it through. And And... Uh, I know that you're going to bring a lot more love into this world. So um, uh, thank you very, very much for, that's for my,
3: that, that. Thank you. That's my quest. That's, that's the quest I'm on. And thank you very much, Jessie. It's been a pleasure for me as well. We'll talk to you again.
2: Wonderful. Oh, thank and you, and listeners. Yeah. <laughs> And if we do, we thank everybody who comes to us faithfully and loyally every week, as well as those that are just finding and just discovering us here on Activating Compassion Radio. I do want to mention that next week I'm going to do my own show, and I haven't done one in a while, and I'm doing it because next week is what I refer to as my rebirth day, which means that is the date that I changed my name legally a few years uh, back, back in 2006. It's been an entire personal cycle, nine years, um, that I've been living under this name. And what I'm going to be exploring with that is showing how our energy patterns get affected with name changes. So whether you do it because you just want to change your name or whether you do it because of um, marriage or whatever it is. Uh, And I'm going to be delving into work that I'm doing now And then I'm just really kind of starting to open up for people on a big scale, and that has to do with our personal coding and looking at really what our energy patterns are and how that influences our life and and how that plays into who we are and our approach and how that can provide us a lot of insight into our approach to life um, and not fight everything so much and be able to jump into that flow. So it's going to be a really interesting show for those that are ready to listen in and to to discover that and to see what I'm doing with that and to learn about how those name changes do affect us. Um, again, you know, please go check out Debbie's website, which is dclarkparlay.com. at the bottom of the show description as well for you today. And again, you can stay atop of any of the events that I have going on. I'm starting to open up some things in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is my home area. And uh, my events early August will be there, my events around the autumn equinox will be there, around Halloween will be there. I do have some things going on on the East Coast um, that will be back in the Boston, Massachusetts area, Washington, D.C. area, um, probably uh, Pennsylvania region as well. Um, I'm going to be doing a little touring at that time, but I'm starting to tour a little bit and alter being based somewhat <laughs> a little bit here. So. Follow up with me. You can follow up with the events on my website as well as watch video tips and listen to archived shows, see what the monthly special is, which this month I'm doing short coaching sessions. So for uh, $15 for 10 minutes, $30 for 20 minutes, you can find all that on the website, one the com. Also, we've got several shows here on Main Street Universe throughout the week. We have had a couple of people on break with their shows, but be patient, they're going to be back. Um, Right now, the other key show that we have running on the network is on Tuesdays. We have Susan Weed who's sharing her work in herbs and natural plants, and she's doing 13 sacred trees, and that's an ongoing session right now with her. It's kind of like getting a little course in herbs and plants and medicinals and all kinds of fun stuff. It's only a half-hour show. It's on Tuesday nights, um, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Oftentimes, Wednesday nights, we still have our flagship show, on uh, in between Daniel working on getting CDs cut and touring with his band and Janice taking care of some things. And then uh, Darren Boucher will come on sometimes tagging that show with uh, his work uh, doing readings. He's a reader at Madame Leveaux in New Orleans. So you can check all those things out. Kevin Baird's going to be coming on with me in a couple of weeks here, too. So you might remember him from doing Walking on the Sidewalk with his Horizon Oracle journey Step. But we're going to take a look at a new piece he's doing of things called New Companion. Hey, this is Jesse Ann Nichols George. And I want to thank you so much for being here today and thanks to all of our listeners, not only on Blog Talk Radio, but those that are streaming live through 10, known as Parent Tathers Network, Stream and Talk Stream Live, as well as those that are catching our podcast at iTunes, TuneIn.com and those catching the YouTube version of the show. I look forward to seeing you back here next week as we delve more into activating compassion. And don't forget if you've enjoyed the show today, share it with others. It's going to be available at this very same link in our archives. And I'm going to leave you with the song, Yearning For, also known as Over and Over by Shum Shai. Thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on Activating Compassion Radio. May you enjoy the rest of your weekend, and have a truly amazing week.
0: And if I could see what makes me blind I would soar to the edge of my mind And to touch what seems unreal Just to show you the way that I feel And we are in time with time One with the season of change inside And we are in tune with the tune Caught in a balance of sun and moon I will soar through the edge of the eternity To walk just a little bit slower. Whispering grace that you can't keep it. No turning back now. This time we we'll reveal it. Once you are under all we'll discover the essence within the most beautiful lover, time is still turning, the love is still burning. Deep in your spirit, your heart still.